You're listening to episode one of This and That, a new podcast series by me, Angus Mitchell, where I'll be talking to students and ex-students alike all about their dissertation and generally uni experience. I really do think there's a plethora of students out there that have spent hundreds of hours researching and writing such amazing dissertations, and then for it to just become a mark back doesn't sit right with me. So sit back and enjoy and hopefully learn something new. This first episode was with Phoebe Morton, the title of her dissertation being A New Three-Fifths Compromise, The Motivations, Mechanisms and Consequences of Fell and Disenfranchisement. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, right, right, should we get into it then? If you start recording on your phone, I'm recording on my phone now. Yeah, I'm um, recording as well. I'll let you know if it dies because... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll probably like, like stop and start and like, if you need to come to it again. Yeah, that's all right. Just go with it. Am I a like-minded academic? No, you're not a like-minded no, academic. No, I'm a that student. Mean? What's that Do you mean? find other students? Yeah, I'm waffling. Trying people saying you're a communist and they're like, well, even if I am, is that is that wrong? Like, where's where's the problem? But um, doing their dissertation, trying to find, figure out what kind of stuff to do it on, because that is obviously a huge part of it. The first hurdle is getting a title, you know, or finding yeah. just not even the title. I feel like that's like the fifth hurdle, to be honest. Because I, I have. No one else talks to me about these things. <laughs> you're listening to this and that. Phoebe Morton, <laughs> by Phoebe Morton, who lives just down the road. Unfortunately, we can't do this together because of COVID, but um, here she is. Phoebe, how are you? Hi, I am an untapped resource. <laughs> an untapped resource. Did you like that? Did you like that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. I'm good. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm excited for this. Though. I honestly can't stop smiling when we're doing this, so it's going to be really good. That's cute. Smiling is, is the key. Cute. Is the key it to sounding nice. Gonna, it might look a bit weird if I'm like grinning while also being like. And there are people in prison who can't vote, and it's just <laughs> oh, like, and it's all the Republicans' fault. Oh but dear. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I should probably say now um, that Phoebe. It, this is going to be a political podcast, and this isn't. We're not going to be kind of staying neutral. Uh, views and opinions will be expressed, but that's completely my own opinions, uh, as well as Phoebe Morton's here. Um, so yeah, should we get into Phoebe, what do you study? Who are you? Let's pretend I have no idea who you are. Who are you? <clears> what do you um, my, all I am is I'm just a law with American studies student. That's all I have going for me, <laughs> even if that, because American studies is barely a degree sometimes. But this is my dissertation for the American studies bit. So my course is three quarters law and then one quarter American studies. And so I only had to write a 6,000 word dissertation for this. So like you say about like the political opinions thing, like I couldn't include every single like facet of information about my topic and make it like, oh, this is completely, like you said, like neutral, unbiased, because I did my research. I found out stuff and I was like, well, I guess I could probably find more on this side, which says this, but I only had 6,000 words. Yeah. So there's a limit. Of, there's a limit to how yeah. unbiased you can be, I guess. You're only human. And I assume exactly. actually it's one of those funny ones that the more research you do, the uh, the more biased you become because you know yeah. your stuff and you're not just doing it off of Twitter threads and you, you've gone into like, the nitty gritty, nitty gritty of politics. Yeah, it was actually really interesting. Like when I first chose my topic, so my topic is, my title is, it's very catchy. It's a new three fifths compromise, the motivations, mechanisms and consequences of federal disenfranchisement. That's a clickbait title right there. It is, episode, it is. <laughs> episode one. <laughs> it um, is. Wait, so repeat um, that one more time. Uh, uh, I missed new, all of that. So, it's an, so do you know, well, okay. The title is A New Three-Fifths Compromise, The Motivations, Mechanisms and Consequences of Felon Disenfranchisement. 
first question is do you know what the three-fifths compromise was no i do not and i'm sure a so lot of people watching slash listening will have no idea either and that's perfect that's why you're here you know yeah and i'm probably gonna butcher it because weirdly enough i don't actually spend that much time on it in my thing but it was um back in old day very 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 racist america where uh, african-americans were slaves yeah so back then um when african-americans were slaves before they got citizenship there was sort of like a step towards where they were counted as three fifths of a person rather than a whole person. And that was basically then used to bolster white, southern, particularly southern like slave state votes of white people, because for taxation and representation purposes, it's really like, I don't think I'm probably doing it justice, but basically they used to be treated as three fifths of a per person for taxation and representation purposes. That's okay. like the bottom line of it. And I don't, like I said, I don't actually touch on that too much. But my whole argument is that felon disenfranchisement, which is another term I should probably explain. Yeah, definitely. Which is, we have it in the UK, which is, where, is when you're in prison, you can't vote, which is like really controversial. Uh, tons of people argue it's against human rights. And I don't get into that as well. Like one of my big, weirdly, my things is like, I'm not getting into the philosophy of whether prisoners should vote. I'm getting into the motivations, the mechanisms and the consequences of it okay yeah um but felon disenfranchisement in america actually happens in so many states post release as well oh so, so once not, you're once you even if you completely finish your sentence you're free again you yeah. kind of have that baggage of the your record which means you still don't get the exact same rights as someone that wouldn't exactly have okay. exactly so there's only two states in America that don't have felon disenfranchisement at all. And that's Maine and Vermont. But then the rest of them all have it to some degree. Like you say, some it's like you come out of prison, the day you come out, your rights are automatically restored. Others it's after you finish parole. Others it's after you finish probation. And some it's no, never at all. You are now completely disenfranchised. And my argument is that like, I look at the history of it, which goes all the way back to when African-Americans first became actual citizens. Or like were treated as actual citizens there's this exception in that amendment which says except for punishment of a crime yeah so it's the 13th amendment i think that i could be getting these things wrong i don't have no i i've seen there was a recent um Netflix the documentary 13th, yeah. and I, I remember that being um being the case yeah yeah so that's uh, that documentary specifically is more about like mass incarceration which i still have to i still have like a whole bit on because it's so important but yes, yeah, so I go through the sort of history of it to see how it's always been racially motivated. Um, like in, uh, I think it's North Carolina I have, that after they brought this in, they were like, right, okay, this is coming in. African-Americans have to be treated as citizens unless it's punishment for a crime. Uh, North Carolina was like, oh, this is a big loophole. Uh, if we whip all our African-Americans that we have, that permanently marks them as a felon and then they can be disqualified from being a citizen for the rest of their life. Wow. And they were, I, I mean, I could get it up, but like thousands of African-Americans were whipped needlessly. Oh, obviously it's always needless, but like without actually having committed any crime, just so North Carolina could avoid this loophole. Wow. Or could use this loophole even. So that, yeah. that's the sort of history of it. Sorry, I know I'm rambling, but this is the good no, thing. Like, well, I'm so this passionate is the thing. about it. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. Like we've only, I don't know how long we've been doing this now. But I think we're about five minutes in and yeah. this is exactly what I want this podcast to be about because you know what? I don't know about this. 
topic and I'm it's actually a very important topic that I want to know more about um, which obviously yeah. with the Black Lives Matter movement earlier in 2020 and um, mm. it's continued into 2021 it's becoming far more important that we do understand the history behind these kind of um, well the the racial problems that we face in the world yeah. and it's very real and these kind of laws that were written back then with these loopholes and it's all racially charged and the fact that we're well obviously we are still young but i think it's so important that we are enlightened to this kind of knowledge so mm. i think it's great ramble I away was... i don't think it is rambling it's great go <laughs> but for I it also, i also think it's like when i so when i did my dissertation presentation everyone would like um you do like it was all on zoom and it wasn't that like proper or formal like the big 10,000 word ones but everyone's like oh my god that sounds so interesting I'd love to read your thing and like it's nice and you, like some of them do sound so interesting but you do know that you're not actually going to sit down and read like five of your peers 6,000 word dissertation unless like you're helping proofread them or something like that but also you're right I think what I liked about doing my dissertation was that I went from like the history of it all the way through to sort of show like it's still so there basically and it, to sort of rebut the argument of like oh no but like it's not racism's not there anymore it's just like no just cut that it is this is all coming from the same historical source and it really hasn't changed mm. but so yeah so I do the history of it and I then go into like Jim Crow um, and then the Voting Rights Act of uh, either 1964 or 1965 yeah. um, it's handed in now <laughs> it's handed in I got it right in there I'm sure um <laughs> But so that was supposedly to put an end to voting discrimination. Um, and I then sort of go into discussion of like, okay, so this was meant to stop voting discrimination, but mass incarceration and felon disenfranchisement still exist. Like how do those two, how is this not an infringement of it? Um, and I have a lady, but basically the courts have been really reluctant to allow that because they see felon disenfranchisement as quite an important thing, but that's normally when the courts are more stacked towards the right so then I have a sort of discussion about um whether you could use the voting rights act to be able to get rid of felon disenfranchisement and it's such a shame actually this lady made uh called Karen Short which if you do a, a bibliography or anything like that I, I think I will I'll put some sources in that we'll discuss yeah I think I'd yeah, I, I have some which have been like, those are the sources that I found. And I was like, oh my God, finally. It'd be like a 40 page article and I'd be like, this is perfect. This is the one, yeah. Um, so I think that's a very relatable thing, feeling, is it, for all uni students that are doing such a niche topic and there's, there's so much on it. And then you finally find that report that is just concise, but not too concise, has everything exactly. in it and you smash yeah. it. Um, yeah, so she constructed this big claim, claim uh, like hypothetical claim that New York State could use. But this, I, I need to explain something else for this to properly make sense, but I'll do that after. But she constructed this whole hypothetical thing for New York, and then New York just changed their laws anyway, which is great. Like they changed their laws that meant that um, certain prison gerrymandering things, which happened because of felon disenfranchisement, which I'll get into prison gerrymandering in a moment, because that's just... Um, <laughs> And like, as much as it's so good that they changed their laws, it was such a shame because it meant that them not using her way of doing it didn't set any sort of like court precedent. Whereas if New York state had gone through her way of doing it, then other states could have gone, oh, if we use yeah. her same argument, there's a precedent there. But so one of my things, like a lot of people know what mass incarceration is. Like um, I also talk a lot about the education system and how I argue it's basically designed to stop, to force black children into schools because I should say black not African-American because I think people always use African-American it's like well 
it's not just African Americans. You have Caribbean, all that kind of okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the American public school system is like a pipeline for Af for black children into schools, and also then sort of stops them from reassimilating into society. So that's I I say I talk a lot about it. It's sort of more towards the end, but the prison gerrymandering is the big thing. Yeah, and a lot ahead. of people, especially British people, don't know what gerrymandering is, and they hear it like thrown around. It's basically it's all to do with the representation of states. So, county lines are drawn in certain ways, and then that population is in this county area, that population is in this county area, and that um, is your representation. So, let's say you draw the county like let's say you've got a state of a thousand people. And you draw one bit up here. Sorry, I realize on podcast that's not really makes sense. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm using my hands. Um, and you have 300 people in one voting area and 700 people in another voting area. Those 700 people have more of a voice because you yeah. Yeah. looked at and gone, that's 700 people, that's more people, that's more important. Gerrymandering is when uh, those lines do that sort of thing where they cut 300 and 700 or perhaps they cut down the middle of a black urban community splitting those votes. And black people, like 80% of black people, black Americans vote Democrat. That is the sort of long short of it. There's no. Yeah. Again, exactly. we'll put for all of these statistics, we'll put in the bibliography for like fact yeah, yeah. checks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case people want to challenge me. Yeah, brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please don't. I don't have the mental energy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, so that was, splits the Democrat vote, which means that there's less, there's a strong, stronger Republican vote or stronger other vote. And prison gerrymandering is, I think, even worse. Because what it is, is it's taking people from, so let's say you're from an urban community, you get arrested, you get put in a prison in a predominant, this is statistically as well, most prisons are in rural areas, which are also more likely to be white. So you're taken from your own community and put into another community, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, and you don't have a vote because of felon disenfranchisement, which whether that's right or wrong, you don't have a vote. Then in the census though, which is you are still there you're counted as a person so there's this place in uh, Wisconsin okay. Walpun, where there's 11,000 people and only 8,000 of them can actually vote so there's wow. three around 3,000 and that was from the last census that was 2010 because 2020 mm. census data hasn't come out yet so there's 3,000 people that are being used to and predominantly from urban communities where if you just have different interests in different places they're taken from their home communities and from their families put into these rural areas who have no concern for them whatsoever that might be a generalization but like they don't have the same issues and then their bodies are used to bolster those other people's votes yeah, it bolster the importance and significance of that population's vote okay exactly which is completely disproportionate and it's at, like there's if you haven't read um the new jim crow by michelle alexander I highly recommend it. Like that's one of the sort of canonical books for mass incarceration. And I used it quite a bit for this um, as well. Like it's just using other, like she talks about it so well. Um, disproportionately African-Americans, black Americans are put in prison. Therefore disproportionately these people are being used to bolster rural white, southern, normally Southern votes. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like I sort of argue in my thing, just going, you don't need to give prisoners votes, but don't exploit them in yeah. areas that it doesn't, have little it's, care. It's like it doesn't stop there. It's not just the fact that they're losing their vote, 
but also exactly. their, their body is there for being used to bolster someone else's vote. And I can, I, I don't know if this is obvious, um, but uh, am I right in saying then when it's bolstering that population's vote, the population where they came from, the more maybe necessarily urban, again, generalization, an urban population, mm -hmm. their vote is therefore diminishing because the population is exactly. going down because they're being exactly. moved somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a relative shift of power. But, um, oh, I had a really good point and I can't remember what it was. And that's always going <laughs> to happen at some point. Something to do with prison gerrymandering. Where was I? Anyway, it's um, ridiculously unfair, I think. And like I say, I argue that uh, you should just not have to, like, don't count them at all. And I think the Census Bureau got 77,000. It's definitely in 70,000. 70, so I'll go 70,000. They got 70,000 letters about... Um, this rule called the usual residence rule which is what is sort of enables prison gerrymandering because they say yeah. we count you at prison rather than in your home district because that's your usual residence uh they got 77 70 000 letters about the prison system and almost all of them were saying change the usual residence rule and the yeah. census 2020 was just like oh no sorry not really? gonna do that so there seems to be no change like no progress no, yet no not um, within the government it does sound though that with, um, do you think these movements like Black Lives Matter and such it, and people like yourself uh, As, learning more about it changes on the way or like these, uh, I can't remember the name of the author you said for the, um, the new Jim Crow. Michelle Alexander. Michelle Alexander, do you think these kind of books are helping to push momentum forward and therefore get these changes in place? I think mass incarceration is obviously, because of Michelle Alexander's book, I think that's really become the forefront. I don't know if um, felon disenfranchisement has quite made it there yet, because, I mean, there's a great, also, we'll put this in the bibliography, I use them a lot. There's a um, group called The Sentencing Project, which is where I got most of my uh, data and stuff from. And they're really pushing for it. But I think it sort of goes mass incarceration, like in the public eye, mass incarceration is at the forefront. And, and I do think that if you fix, yeah, like, that's why when I uh, my questions phrase like the mechan uh, motivations, mechanisms, and consequences, the mechanisms one of the, the main one of that is mass incarceration. Yeah. So if that gets dealt with, that will ultimately have a trickle down effect. But you are right. I think it's something that it's difficult for us in the UK because it doesn't quite relate to us. Yeah. Is the thing is that it's a problem in America, and yes, we should care about it, but it's a problem in America, and we're here, so it's sort of mm. difficult to... Like we're, we're by no means perfect here, however, something that no. is so clearly an American issue to do with their, their government rules and their history. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to comprehend. And um, Like, a lot of yeah, their um, disenfranchisement laws come from us. Yeah, like, well, I can it's all, that. It's, it's all the Anglo-Saxon legal roots. Mm. which is one I which is a medieval it. system like it's just well, no, yeah and goes back to like literally ancient Greece and stuff like with um Atemia or something it's called which was basically being like publicly shunned when you commit a crime but I remember ostracism. my really good point Ost ostracism, ostracism. I'm an ancient remember... Greek expert so there you go ostracism there, there we go bring it in yeah so that was um a system they used to use in ancient Greece when um in, in about 400 BC in classical Greece where basically democracy was on the rise and people mm. were given more power we say people we mean male the, yeah property owners citizens. um exactly um however they were giving like tyrants were finally seen as a bad thing so people were kind of <laughs> spreading the power out a bit and basically the ostracism was um where a certain amount of votes it was actually at six thousand. if the if the leader at the time had six thousand votes against them 
they mm. had to leave the city of Athens for 10 years. They didn't even just set down, they had to leave the city completely. So um, yeah, I can imagine I that. I miss those times. Yeah, I, don't think I know. I, just I, I was, exiling I was, people again. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit to be learned in history. That's why I love it so much. However, yeah, yeah. I don't know. it is quite extreme to completely kick them out. But you know, sometimes you need to do that because if they just get put they into the, back, the background, time. then they can still, you know, puppeteer what's going on. But with this, it was just yeah, get out. <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure I remember when I did. Um, I had to do like ancient Greece and ancient Rome for um, a democracy thing in first year, but also because I did Latin as well. Like I remember Mr. Plum just being like, and then they got exiled, but they were fine. They just had like a little <laughs> holiday somewhere in Spain. Yeah. Like they just went somewhere and lived and then they wrote some stuff which no one ever found. And then we found it, we got all excited and then that happened. So, you know. Ancient history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get back to your side. disc because this is this and that. And um, I'm really enjoying it. And, and, and in terms of, how is there more you want to say about your actual dissertation before we get into because I want to ask you a bit about like how you decided the topic and your experience in general um but I've definitely learned a lot so far one big thing which is the which is that I really wanted to when I was writing it and first researching it I really wanted to make it politically neutral and be like both republicans and democrats are manipulating the prison system and all these systems uh to maintain their own power yeah. And I found this article uh, after the 2000 election, which was really controversial between Al Gore and George Bush, which was decided by like 500 votes yeah, and they yeah, had yeah. to keep on recounting it. Um, and it was about Florida. Florida was the, the key state for it. And this um, article was talking about how you might think that the prison population being disenfranchised and felon disenfranchisement was um, helping Republicans, but actually the majority of people in the prison at that time would have voted Republican. So I found this article, and this is one of those ones where I was like, oh, this is so interesting. That means I can provide good balance. And then I sort of looked more into it and I was like, that was 2000. The system of mass incarceration, particularly of black Americans has gotten so much worse since then that I just couldn't really take her word to be true anymore like this is 20 years later mm. and so then the more I looked into that that was when I finally started like firmly coming down and going this is all to benefit republican power basically that this system is endorsed by republican politicians to maintain their power like like I said earlier 80 percent of blacks vote democrat you're putting more black people in prison therefore you are reducing it adds up black democrat vote it does add up and I really like I showed it to my dad because my dad proofread it and he was like, oh, it's good, but it's a bit left. And I was like, I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, th this is what I mean of the, it's only 6,000 words and I'm sure there's more that could have been said to counteract that point. But from the research I did, the research I provided in my dissertation, it was, this is to do with maintaining Republican power, basically. And that's the yeah. consequence of it, is that Republican power gets preserved and throughout it that's sort of my theme if you look at like the legal cases where Republican funding goes the history of it the um some people did some really good um sort of experiments I don't know what quite, quite the right word is but they looked at mayor elections in certain states and figured out what the actual results were and then they said right let's say hypothetically the prison population could vote this is what it would be which obviously you can't go around and get every prisoner's vote in that area but using pr pretty decent statistics they came to those yeah. conclusions and like you said the more you research the more you get biased I think was the yeah. case for me and I was like right I can't pretend to be I'm doing this with my hands so much <laughs> I'm conducting um I can't pretend to be politically neutral on this like 
this is what I think. If you have something else which says otherwise, I'll take it in, I'll read it. I'm not going to write about it in my dissertation because it's done now. So. Yeah, well, yeah, there is that, isn't there? But I think, I think that is a good point to make. Like, as you said, because you've researched it, you are a bit biased because you made your own opinions from a lot mm. of hours put in. However, I think it is always important to, if anyone has anything else, never shun them, you know, always get more information, more information. I think we are living in a bit of an era where sometimes we like cancel culture and we, if it doesn't, yeah, if if you surround yourself with like-minded people and it maybe doesn't um, conform to your beliefs or your ideas. However, if it's a fact, it's a fact and Mm. you might shun away from that. And I think that can be a bit damaging, but like you said, you've got the facts and you've got your opinions from that. Um, And I think that is so important. What I think was really important as well was that I did approach it neutrally at first. Like obviously yeah, yeah, I know yeah. I have my own biases, but I really wanted it to be something where I was like, no, this is fair. It is both. And I was like, I just mm. don't think it is. The more and I, I guess, I guess it. coming from the background that we have, like, like we don't have the same kind of biases going into such a subject, you know, like we haven't had to deal with that kind of system being yeah. from Britain, let alone being white, you know, like yeah. we haven't had to deal with that. Um, so I think in terms of coming from a neutral, in a weird way, you know, you don't have that emotional baggage, which sounds wrong. That's yeah. not the correct word. However, you know, you don't come it from that emotional stance because it hasn't affected you at all in your yeah, life. Which is why I think, um, that's why I think dissertations are so important though is people finding things like that which they might not have heard about before or it's not something they've gone oh I've always wanted to write about this they'll stumble across it somehow and go oh this is something that's so important like if I can sort of like plug my friends here a bit like two of my friends um they are just they're doing such interesting ones as well one's doing them on um Oh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's about um, how North America treats black bodies, basically. And hers, I think, is so interesting because everyone else is doing it about America, but she spent her year in Canada. Okay. So she includes Canada. It's about bodies of colour, actually, not just black, uh, black North Americans, because she uses like indigenous populations and stuff. And it's so interesting to see that she might have written about that anyway, but her time in Canada, that was when she was like, no, I want, don't just want to make this America. I want to do this North America so I can include Canada which I just thought was like, it makes it so much more a personal thing that you just sort of stumble across. And uh, my other friend, Megan, who's doing history and politics, she's doing it on the civil rights movement, but then she stumbled across like uh, papers about gender in it and stuff and was like, oh, that's how I'll take it. Rather than just being like, I'm going to write about the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is the thing about dissertations. They they can be so, so niche. And and if anything, they're encouraged to be niche. And I think that's what this show, this show, this podcast, is trying to get at you know i think i'm trying to find these people that like yourself who have put hours and hours of research into such a niche subject that i want to hear about it you know from a personal point of view i'm interested i always like learning um like my my, i do archaeology so it's completely different to your your degree and i'm sure other people that are interviews degrees so um yeah i've really enjoyed hearing about your your subject itself but i think we i don't want to finish now i don't know if you you want to carry on talking but i want to hear more about just uni your experience of uni in general because i know you went to america your your Mm. course is a lot to do with america uh, american studies um like how was that tell us a bit about like your experience in in its entirety you know not just the dissertation well so like it does kind of link because it was in one of my classes in america that i it was i think it was in our immigration law class which was one of my favorite classes that i did my teacher for that i he had i had him for immigration law and constitutional law and i still keep in touch with him now he was honestly like 
the reason that I wanted to be there by the end of it like it was a really nice place there were some nice people but since school I haven't had a teacher pay that much attention to individuals mm. which was so, like so nice and it was and I think his like I said his immigration law class that something came up and I was like hold on wait but he's out of prison how come he can't vote and he was like oh no no that's how it works here and I was like what yeah and he was and like, it's just yeah, that little interaction yeah. where you were like oh so exactly you reckon that was the light bulb moment where you're like oh I want to learn more about that and hang on yeah. I've got this perfect opportunity to put hours and hours of research into something yeah I think so I think it was that I also had an, another option which once again from his constitutional law class was I really liked the idea of looking into the Cold War cases against the communism cases about like the whole um, trying people saying you're a communist and they're like, well, even if I am, is that is that wrong? Like, where's, yeah. where's the problem? But um, mm. so that was like really interesting as well. I think I feel really bad for people this year who can't have their year in America because uh, like we're in little writing groups for the dissertation stuff where we were and we sort of forgot that some of those people hadn't even been yet and they had to write their dissertation in their third year and then go away to America and we were all sort of saying like that's so unfair on you because you haven't had that extra year of experience that extra year of thinking about it like yeah. like you like you said like little conversations that you might have had that go oh this yeah. is something that I can that's really go forward with that I wouldn't have known about necessarily if I was in England mm. but because I went there and I had those conversations that's how it happened so my experience was my sister's what's national oh I was saying earlier I've never watched a film with Nicolas Cage in it and now my sister's saying come down and watch National Treasure I don't know fantastic how film as an archaeologist I I love that film Nicolas Cage watch... is the weirdest dude ever um going off topic here but um mm. Nicolas Cage is the weirdest dude ever but I think he's a bit like Marmite you know and even more like Marmite where even I will love him sometimes and then absolutely mm. hate him sometimes as well but I realized like I've never seen a film with him in it Connor what? have you seen that no and they're all like classics that I know yeah. I should have watched but I was honestly like unless I've seen him in like a piss take film I honestly don't think I've sat down and watched Nicolas Cage why film. can I now not think of any Nicolas Cage films when like apart from National Treasure which you say you've watched yeah that National Treasure 1 and 2 both great films but I think I a lot of people say they're awful I think a lot of people say they're awful films you know it's one of those ones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you're listening to Dis and That but anyway, we'll get so, what, so <laughs> Phoebe, would you say then talking about these kind of like if we're gonna people listening, what, doing their dissertation, trying to fight, figure out what kind of stuff to do it on, because that is obviously a huge part of it. The first yeah. hurdle is getting a title, you know, or finding yeah. just not even the title. I feel like that's like the fifth hurdle, to be honest, because I'm doing my dissertation at the moment and I haven't really narrowed my title down. I um, think the things about having these little conversations and like finding that spark and you know, just talking to your professor after a lecture and in something you're maybe interested in or not even necessarily your professor because dissertation can be so broad that it could be yeah. anything really. I do think it's so important from like what I've seen with other people it's so important to write about something that you're actually passionate about and that you actually care about because especially with a, even a longer one than mine like 8,000, 10,000 whatever you have to get to if you don't care about it you are not going to want to go through all the research and read the articles or only to find out actually this is completely useless yeah and I think you're right I think a topic's more important than a title I think uh, my title only came to, like I had tons of like three different titles and I'd sit there in these two-hour dissertation meetings which half the time weren't particularly helpful sort of being like right this is my t- title 
what if I do it this way around because that <laughs> yeah. you always like you say you always had that sort of catchy clickbait title for a dissertation yeah. but I think if you choose that first you really limit yourself yeah. whereas I think yeah. what's better is to do wider reading and like I then found the, these two women who um quoted saying this is like a new three-fifths clause and I was like oh what's that this? then <laughs> that colon this sounds pretty good like a colon uh, always makes it colon seem like is- that's a dissertation title there, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and but I think that coming later was so much more helpful than people going, oh, this sounds like a good catchy title. Let's use that. Because then everything you read, you're trying to look for those keywords rather than reading the topic and then going, yeah, that's the bit that I want to do. That's the yeah. bit that I want to focus on. So that's yeah. how I would say it's like personally a good approach to it, really. I'd also say something I think I did which I'm pleased I did because I think otherwise it'd be a lot harder was everything I read even if I thought it was useless I still referenced it as I made notes yeah yeah and that especially if you're doing a longer one I think that'd be so important like yeah sort of skim read but the moment you see something that you think might be important just get the page number down like even if you don't properly write down like oh it's in this journal and this make enough so that you can find it again or keep it as a pdf like keep everything as pdfs and then go back to it then if you have trouble referencing it somehow like you can figure that out but if you have a 40 page article and you're like oh it's there somewhere and let's say yeah. it's one you can't command f and search through either because i had so many like that that i was like really what's the point yeah no i think like, that's really I, that's a that's a really good tip actually just save yeah. everything and note yeah. everything it t- takes two seconds to note down a page number and exactly. it takes an hour to find it again if you haven't done that so i think that is a good point and yeah exactly citing everything is obviously so important in uni and i'd also it. say one of the things I learned, my housemates can testify to this, that like the amount of times I'd be like, oh, it turns out if I actually read the whole article rather than just command F, felon disenfranchisement, it's actually quite useful. <laughs> yeah. Because I just do that and I'd be like, mm, no, it says nothing, nothing important. And then I'd go, actually, like, did I, oh, I, like, I maybe be looking for a reference in there again. And then I'd be like, oh, that whole section is actually so interesting and so important. But it just because it doesn't have, have my... your keyword. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about exactly. that wider reading, isn't it? Um, yeah which is hard but you just got to do it and that's why I think if you're passionate it helps because yeah because you don't otherwise you sit there going exactly exactly yeah but well, yeah that's that's your dissertation I have to say on it. yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I've enjoyed it have you enjoyed talking about it like what do we think I have no one else talks to me about these things well that's <laughs> the thing I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that guy because I think everyone everyone has this kind of like pent-up knowledge you know that they've mm done so much about and then I just do think I, I was thinking about it um when talking to you actually uh, on a, one mm. of our socially distance walks socially distance yeah um that you know it feels so weird to just then just get a two-digit mark um you mm. know or if you're unbelievable a three-digit one <laughs> I don't know I don't <laughs> think everyone's ever got 100 but um you know uh, for it just to be a mark and then just another module of your mm. of your uni experience you know and I think a dissertation is different and I, I want to be the guy to hear hear more about exactly. them and I think There's this so has been pressure. a bloody heavy first episode <laughs> not not a lot of laughs um but that's okay um yeah. uh, extremely um in, informative though and um I've definitely I've learned a lot um I hope people listening uh, and watching have learned a lot as well and mm. thank you so much for no, being the, been... first, the first guest thank you it's been so great because like I say no one listens to me and but you are right like I've to be honest 
no, no one I actually really know because we're at that year now where we're doing our dissertations but before like I've no idea what my brother's dissertation was on yeah I no idea what my sister's was on I asked my exactly. dad and he couldn't remember his and I was like but you put so much work in exactly like, and, and if then, I could yeah, do a little cool. half an hour dissing that podcast on it then no mm. I'm done yeah. And you'll get you'll get tons of knowledge out of it. You'll be brainy. Well, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I'm just avoiding. I'm avoiding the the tens and hundreds of hours of research you guys have had to do. I just hear it in a little, a few sentences. Well, or someone's going to have to do your one at some point. I you will have, have to, to share my decision. I need to first of all do my dissertation and get my head around <laughs> it. That will be that helpful, will be um, which I should probably do now. So I think we should wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, fine by me. I'll go watch National right. Treasure. Bro, go this is Angus. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for coming it. on. And um, hopefully. Anyone else listening should get in touch with you get, and be get like, you know what? Tell me I've got about a good one. Tell me about your disc and that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right. Okay. Bye, Angus. See you. Lots of love. All right. Stop recording. Done. Thank you for listening to episode one of This and That with Phoebe Morton. All of the literature that we discussed in the show today will be referenced in the description to this podcast and we'll see you on the next episode.